girl whose parents were both longtime AA members was given the school assignment by her Catholic school teacher. She was to write an essay on, quote, what religion were you raised in and how has it affected your life? Hearing this, her mother began to apologize because they hadn't raised her in any particular religion at all. But her daughter stopped her saying, don't worry, mom, I got this covered. In her essay, the 12-year-old said she had been raised in the Church of Alcoholics Anonymous, and she claimed that this upbringing had taught her three major things. Number one, everybody gets a seat at the table. Number two, everyone deserves a second chance. Number three, our job is to take care of each other. Everybody gets a seat at the table. Everybody deserves a second chance, and our job is to take care of each other. I heard it through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collected voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, Don. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. Sam, I love a big book study. Oh, man, I know you do. <laughs> yeah. That home you, group of yours. <laughs> which you used to be a member of. That's true. We take it very slowly through the big book, one sentence at a time, and analyze each sentence. And, you, you know, <laughs> sometimes you miss the big picture getting down in the weeds like that. But I've learned so much doing that. Oh, I learned a lot in that home group, and, and it was fantastic when I was traveling for work, too, because I could be gone for two weeks, and y'all hadn't even turned the page. Yeah. Well, I just found a note in my big book, and it had been a year and a half the last time we were there. So that's how long <laughs> this, it takes us. And this is just the first 164 pages. Yes. I mean, you're doing the forewords and the first 164 pages, and the appendices, too, right? Yes, Spiritual awakening. Well, when the asterisk appears, we'll go there. As one does. Always follow the asterisk. You should always. And then those little squiggly writing, the italics, that's important stuff. People always say, and you know, I've done this too, probably like in many, many places go. This is my favorite part of the book. Hmm. And I started thinking about it. Okay, well, what is my favorite part of the book? And it's this. It is plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. To the precise extent that we permit these, do we squander the hours that might have been worthwhile. That, coupled with this line, for when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. What I remember thinking about that at work. I had read it in a meeting at a big book study at lunch, and I was at work. I'm a painter, and I went out to my truck and got my paperback copy of the big book and read it and was going, you know, that's really true. When I am all tangled up, angry at something, I squander the hours that might have been worthwhile. It just hit me like this is a fact of life that I never really realized that mm. I am hurting myself by harboring resentments. That's very wise of you, Don. I'm, I'm really glad that you picked up on that. Well, I'm very glad that Bill wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what it boils down to for me is that often it's whatever I'm reading at that moment is my favorite part, because at that moment, it has a very particular way it affects yes. me. And that can be completely different the next time I read it. 
that's why people say so frequently, this is my favorite part of the book. They're responding Truly. to it. But there is something that always comes to mind for me, and it's the story on page 268 in the fourth edition, uh, The Keys of the Kingdom. It takes me back to a trip in January of 2015. I went to Buenos Aires for about three weeks. I found the AA meetings there, and I went. And the first one that I went to there, a guy who had been out came back in, and he read this portion of the big book as part of the meeting. And it just really gave me chills to have someone who was freshly back from a relapse reading this material. There is no more aloneness with that awful ache so deep in the heart of every alcoholic that nothing before could ever reach it. That ache is gone and need never return again. Now there is a sense of belonging, of being wanted and needed and loved. Mm. In return for a bottle and a hangover, we have been given the keys of the kingdom. Mm. And it just, I've got chills right now. Yeah. It works for me. That is beautiful. I think that's my favorite part of the book. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> right now. Yeah. Sam, what's happening today? Well, today we're going to have some fun on the podcast, oh. you know, for once. Uh, we've, we've got a rollicking game of Stump the Thumpers, our big book quiz show. Our guest today is Bill S., and we'll get to know him a bit and then torture him a bit with non-sadistic big book questions. I mean, we'll play our game. <laughs> we've met Bill before. He's a big book historian, and he's answered an Ask It Basket question for us a while back. Bill wrote, Writing the Big Book, The Creation of AA. So he's a perfect candidate for stump thump thumpers. Ooh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> what an evil laugh, Don. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> I send Grapevine a donation. Since the Grapevine is self-supporting, we don't sell ad space in our magazines, on our website, or in our podcast. Grapevine doesn't even accept donations from AA members. What? If you want to support Grapevine, visit aagrapevine.org slash store. Bill, I'm an alcoholic. My sobriety date is uh, December 7th, 1981. Uh, my home group for 38 years before COVID was the men's group, Stratford Men's Group. And uh, I always said, if you're in the state of Connecticut, you need to be at that group. <laughs> COVID put me on Zoom and I've been on doing a, a Zoom AA meditation meeting that we started doing at eight meetings a week. And I'm doing five of those a week. I'm running the Sunday meeting. I'll be doing that in a couple of hours here. The interesting thing for me was my whole group for 38 years was a men's meeting. And uh, in this particular meeting, two thirds of the people are always women. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's very, 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 very different. Live meetings, in-person meetings are, are absolutely an important part of uh, recovery for me. But there is no putting that cat back in the bag. Online meetings are here to stay. They are going to be a permanent part of Alcoholics Anonymous now. Yeah. Well, Bill, what's the difference between a men's meeting and a meeting, full meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. 
I can only compare my past experience with the Stratford group and this current Zoom meditation group. Uh, it's it's just a whole different vibe. Mm -hmm. I've been back to the Stratford and doing live meetings again. I was shocked by the amount of testosterone in the room. Yes. It was just, it was off putting. Yes, it was it was this one upmanship kind of thing, you know, or let me tell you kind of thing. I see what you're saying, but I, there's places for different kinds of meetings in AA, and I like the different kinds of meetings that serve specific demographics. But I really do like full meetings that get everybody's point of view. I, I couldn't agree more that there's all kinds of different meetings. And, you know, you gotta got to find a place. I mean, we have a lot of meetings here in Southern Connecticut. So there's there's no excuse if, uh, if, a, if a meeting isn't working for you, if it isn't helping you stay sober or grow your life spiritually, then you need to find a different meeting. And, and good Lord, they're just absolutely all over the place. So, Bill, 1981, what was going on inside of you? that made you feel like that you need to do something like go to AA? Well, I woke up on December 7th, 1981. I was so depressed and so in despair that I thought maybe I should just open the oven and turn the gas on after putting a wet towel under the doors. And my second thought after that was my sister had gotten sober five months earlier. And I called my sister and drove over to her house she took me to a meeting. She took me to the hospital and put me in detox. And then I went to Highwash Farm, where I spent a couple of weeks detoxing. Came home, started going to meetings, got myself a sponsor, been staying sober ever since. I've been a four-meeting-a-week guy, rock solid for all of those 41 years, sometimes six, depending on you know the schedule. At the moment, I'm doing five. I've always had a sponsor. I had the same sponsor for 37 years. He died 2017. And I had already gotten a, two more sponsors and I'm dealing with those guys. I don't think it's possible to stay sober and live a happy, sober life without getting a second and a third opinion with regularity. <laughs> yeah. All the guys I sponsor have more than 20 years, except one guy's got 15 years. I sponsor seven or eight guys. And, and you know, you sponsor a guy for 20 plus years and he's got no problem offering his opinion on what you're doing or saying either. So <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, well, you know, as a sponsee, it takes a while to train a sponsor. I mean, yeah. give us a break. <laughs> yeah, I, I was a little bit irritated when a sponsee said to me with a kind of an upraised eyebrow, well, Don, there's always a little more letting go to do. And evidently, <laughs> I told him that so many times. I didn't know it was something I said. <laughs> it's terrible when they repeat stuff back to you. You know, my 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 young guy, he, the guy with 15 years, was here about a month ago. And we were sitting and talking, and he was telling me all his stuff. And he kind of ran down, and he looked at me and dead in the eye. And he said, so what are you doing to enlarge your spiritual life these days? Boom. <laughs> that's, that's the kind of guy I want to sponsor. I, I love it whenever my sponsor and I can, you know, cut through all of the superficiality. And let's talk about the meat of the matter. Yeah, you know, we always do talk about what are we doing to enlarge our spiritual lives today? Because, I mean, it's a spiritual solution that we got here for this, this drinking problem. If you're powerless over alcohol, you got no defense against the first drink. It says it over and over again in the book. What's your solution, dude? You're in trouble. You got no defense. Oh, oh, oh. Second principle of Alcoholics Anonymous, in my opinion. Yes, there is a defense. You get yourself a spiritual awakening. And it's, there's a good chance it's going to stand between you and picking up that first drink, which is the insanity we're talking about in the second step. So I want to be restored to sanity. I always talk to my guys about spiritual awakening, spiritual enlightenment, just what are you doing in a larger spiritual life? We were talking about the, 
the favorite thing in the big book. Mine is always Jim who puts the whiskey in his milk. I mm. just love that story, man. And on the page before, it says Jim slipping and sliding with some regularity. And the old timers are trying to figure out what's going on. And they decide his Jim's problem is he, quote, failed to enlarge his spiritual life, end quote. And so what's what we talk about is enlarging our spiritual life. And we we come from a broad spectrum, me and my little pack of the guys. And, you know, my, my sponsor is a died-in-the-world Roman Catholic. Um, one of the guys I sponsored for over 30 years is a born-again Christian. And I'm a completely other end of the spectrum when it comes to that kind of <laughs> theological, religious stuff. But you know what? But my sponsor and I meet for coffee, and we talk about our spiritual life. We talk about our prayer life. We talk about our meditation practices. And we don't have a problem with that. And my board again guy, he just loves coming over and talking about that stuff for me. So, you know, it, it's it's an amazing thing about Alcoholics Anonymous, this this democratic approach to this, this as we understand them thing that, that you can take or leave or interpret any way you want. Some people take it a little bit more broadly than I do. Some people take it a little bit more narrow than I do. But I love the fact that we can actually do that in AA. Talk about people who would not mix. Bill, you sound like a really smart, energetic guy who really knows what you know. Did you have a hard time with this idea of a spiritual awakening, this idea of surrendering to a higher power when you came in? Yeah, that was a problem. I've never been to a public school in my life. I was raised Roman Catholic. I went to, uh, I got out of high school and I spent two years in the seminary to be a priest. And then I got into a huge dispute with the Catholic Church and left the seminary. And, and a couple of years later, I had gone, you know, all the way down through the, you know, I stopped being a Catholic to being a Christian, to being a deist, to being an agnostic, to being an atheist. And I, and I was living very comfortably there, and I'm still living very comfortably there, although I do not like the word atheist at all. I live in a world with no supernatural elements. That's my deal. You know, my world is full of mystery. <sighs> But I got no supernatural elements. And if you got supernatural elements, take care of your mystery. I'm good with that. I'm, I'm good with whatever's working for you. You're not drinking and that's working for you. Let's go with that. But I spent six years probably just being a pain in the ass in meetings about this God stuff. My sponsor finally got, I just, I, he was fed up with me at one point. And uh, I don't know, we we're talking about prayer. And he said, listen, listen, the proper position for a man begging for sobriety is on his knees. I want you to get on your knees every morning. And I said, well, I don't pray. He said, I don't give a what you say when you get on your knees in the morning, but you need to get on your knees in the morning. So I was like six years sober, I got on my knees and I started saying, good morning to this day. I'm an alcoholic and I don't want to drink today. And I'm glad I didn't drink yesterday with the help of our fellowship and the 12 steps, our spiritual program of action. That's what I started saying. And I've been getting on my knees for the last 35 years, and, and I've changed it. I, I mean, if you don't change what you're doing on your knees, in my opinion, it's just stale, rote words, you know? And mm -hmm. I change it all the time. These days in the morning, I've done a lot of Buddhist readings, and, I, and the Buddhists have what they call the five daily remembrances. And I do those on my knees these mornings. But I always say, welcome to the day, and to everything that happens to me today, I want to be able to welcome it. Welcome is the short, shortest version of the third step I know, you know? <sighs> Oh, that is just, I'm, I'm lit up listening to you talk about this. <laughs> no, I, was, I want to hear what you have to say, <laughs> Sam. So I, I, my last drink was in 2003. I reset my sobriety date in 2012 using poppers and diet pills in a way that's not sober for me. Now that that's out of the way. In 2012, I changed things up. I got a new sponsor, started working the program their way. One of the things that I did because the guys that I was hanging out with at that time did this, I started hitting my knees when I got out of bed in the morning. 
I'm an atheist. And I said the third step prayer because that's what we ended the meeting that I was going to so frequently with. And to me, it was, this feels rote, but then it started having an effect on my starting of the day. Today, I still hit my knees every morning. It changes daily. And some days there's some chills because I'm like really meaning what I'm saying. And some days it's just like, well, here we are today. Help me be a good human. And that works. What if you do if you're in the pit of despair? I'll tell you, first of all, I do it out loud in the morning. What I do basically is tell myself a story about the kind of guy I want to be that day. Uh, hmm. Now, if I'm in the pit of despair, I'm, this whole thing about welcome, I was getting on my knees out of the 35 years, the last 25 years I would get on my knees, and, and I would say, good morning to this day and welcome to everything that this day holds for me personally. Welcome. And 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 then I would go upstairs and I would shave and cut myself and start cursing and swearing. I was thinking, now what happened to the welcome shaver? You know what? Come on, give me a break here. And I realized after a long time of doing this that I was just being hypocritical because I wasn't paying attention to it during the day. And I came down and spoke with my wife, the lady Sarah, and we talked about it a bit. And I said, okay, from now on, this was uh, two years ago. I said, from now on, uh, whenever I I get annoyed with something or upset with something or angry with something or depressed about something, I'm going to say welcome out loud. I'm going to say welcome out loud. So I say welcome out loud. And there are days where I, I'm still doing this. I say welcome out loud a dozen times. Sometimes I only say it twice. But that's because usually because I'm just not paying attention to things that are, that are annoying the spit out of me, you know? Yeah, so right. now I'm curious, what's the tone that you say, use when you say welcome? Is it a cursing tone or a welcoming tone? Oh, well, you know, <laughs> sometimes it's like welcome. I really need to welcome it because I'm, you know, I'm going to be 80 in a couple of months. And, and you know, I, I forget stuff, you know, I, I forget words, you know, and that kind of thing. And I just go, welcome, just welcome, 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 because, <laughs> you know, getting angry at it doesn't change it at all. Yeah, It's, it's not going to bring the word to mind. But there are other times where the internet connection goes south, right? You're in the middle of something and boom, the internet connection is gone. And uh, and then I'm going, welcome, welcome. <laughs> like everything else in life, there's a spectrum here, you know? I love it. I love it. Bill, I'm going to try this on. Thank you for this. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I like I'm available to my higher power. Whatever is put in front of me, whatever it is, good or bad, rather than rail against it and try and fight it or change it, which takes me out of the sunlight of In the spirit. In other words, what you're saying is you'll allow it? I'll allow it. I'm not sure. My whole third step thing was, of course, I'm a non-believer, right? Mm -hmm. I railed against this, as I said, for about six years. And then I realized that I was arguing about who it was going to get turned over to but I right. knew five guys whose sobriety I respected tremendously, and they all believed in different things getting it when it was turned over. And I thought, oh, so the point isn't who's taking care of it when I'm turning it over. The point is I need to be turning this thing over. That's what I need to mm -hmm. be doing. That's the common element of these guys who are doing it successfully. And then I was reading uh, a book, and the guy was talking about how one of the hallmarks of spiritual experience is letting go. And I thought, I like that better than turning it over. Turning it over just means there's got to be something there that you're turning it over to. But mm -hmm. if you're letting it go, it's a whole different deal. So I did the letting go thing for a couple of decades. And then one of my teachers recommended I read this Buddhist book. The guy was talking about letting go didn't really work for him because when he let something go, it was his. And he's got a little string still attached to it because it was his, you know, and he let it go, but it was his. And you can always 
bring it back on that that little thin thread string. And the guy in the book said, what you need to do is just let it be. If you let it be, it wasn't yours in the first place. It's not yours. It's never going to be yours. Just let it be. So I went through this evolution, if you will, of my understanding of the third step. Six years of arguing about the God thing, working with the turning it over thing, working with the let it go thing. And now I'm just in a let it be guy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> okay, Bill, you're a big book scholar. I've got a question here, a mathematical question, or maybe it's grammatical. I don't know which one it is, but here's the quote. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Do I have to get rid of a hundred forms or do I have to get rid of 400 forms? Help me. <laughs> You know, the last time you asked me a question like this, I started going off of a little tirade about the AA word police. So I'm here we are back with the AA word police. What does this <laughs> word mean? Does this word, does it, is it an adjective? Does it only go to this noun or does it go to all four of these nouns? And does that mean it's four times more powerful than the one? It's like, give me a break, <laughs> will you? Bill Wilson, he's, he's using a metaphor. I don't know metaphor. I don't know what, what the right word is, but he's using a, an image. You know, he's trying to trying to punch you right between the eyes and say, look, dude, you're the problem here. I mean, that comes right after, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, selfishness, self-centeredness. That is the root of our yeah. problem. That is the root of our problem. After Jim putting the miski in his book and, and needing a spiritual lack, and he didn't enlarge his spiritual life. My, my next favorite is selfishness, self-centeredness. That is the root of our problem. And my third favorite is our problems are of our own making. And anybody who's going crazy over does the hundred modify one verb, one noun or four <laughs> verbs is a problem of your own making, in my humble opinion. And there's a little tone problem there. Sorry. <laughs> oh, oh my God. He just shut us down. And this is saved forever. <laughs> and by making. the God, he did not shut us down he shut you <laughs> down <laughs> oh my goodness are we gonna have some fun <laughs> well with that it's time to play our big book quiz show stomp the thumpers that's a big book and here's our quiz master donnie wani ding dong Thanks, Spammy. I've researched the first 164 pages of the big book. And Dr. Bob's story. Sam, let's keep this simple. Yeah, right. I've found a few easy questions for our contestant. Mm, it's only easy if you know the answer. But Don, we really need some new questions. You know, these are the last of the questions I've prepared. I need to go back and get some more, but... Listeners, please send us some big book questions. Now, these questions are multiple choice. It's as easy as falling off a stool. Mm -hmm. Is that a bar stool you're thinking of? There was a time. There was a time. Now, what do they win, Sam? The warm glow of accomplishment. I can feel it coming through the screen. <laughs> That's called radiation. <laughs> Is that all? I'm going to put a little heart symbol on their little video window. Well, that's great. Now I've got three questions today. Bill, guess right, and you gain two 
thousand points. That's a lot of points. But Bill is an alcoholic, so <laughs> I'll allow it. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, but my dopamine receptors are exhausted. <laughs> we alcoholics need a lot of encouragement. There are never, never enough points. Bill, are you ready? I am ready. <laughs> he thinks he's ready, Don. I've asked this question before, so no help from you listeners. Keep quiet. <laughs> this is a quote from How It Works, page 66. The grouch and the brainstorm are not for us. What did Bill mean by brainstorm? I'm going to give you four choices. One, a sudden rage. Two, a brilliant idea. Three, a headache. Four, the ability to generate and cast out lethal bolts of electricity with your mind. I vote for number one. Well, I really like number four, though. I think that's better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that your superpower, Sam? <laughs> it is right now. <laughs> so the answer, this is from the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Today, we think of a brainstorm as a positive thing. Something that solves a problem or gets the creative juices flowing. But when it was first used, brainstorm meant something very different. According to the 1934 edition of the Unabridged Dictionary, it meant only a violent, transient mental derangement manifested by a maniacal outburst. <laughs> I'm getting that as a tattoo, Don. <laughs> <laughs> or a sudden rage. Brainstorm took on a new meeting in the 1950s when used by Walt Disney's Think Tank as a forum for sharing ideas. So the answer is number one, Sudden Rage. And Bill, you've got 2,000 points. <laughs> Bill, are there any other places or words that you know have changed meaning as much as Brainstorm has? I mean, Brainstorm now, very few people think of it as a sudden rage. Right. The one I get asked about all the time, and I don't have a better answer for this, is a trudge the road of happy destiny. Trudge. Yeah, people, trudge. People just really, really, really push back against that. And you know what's what's interesting to me is in, you know, before the big book was published in April 10th, 1939, in February, in the early 20s, they published a multilith printing. They, it's not a Xerox copy. There was no Xerox machines, but it was that kind of it was copies. And, uh, and they made all kinds of changes to it. And people made all kinds of suggestions that were taken and that weren't taken. Nobody objected to the word trudge. <laughs> but wait, there are other things that show up. So shoemaker, stick to thy last. That's in 12 and 12. Well, it's still part of our literature. Uh, yes. <laughs> and also shot through. These are terms that just don't mean anything to people today. Nobody knows that a last is a shoe form. And shot through, meaning that it actually is a thread that's going through an entire weaving or tapestry. Words can be really cool. There's all kinds of things in the big book that nobody knows what they mean anymore. You know, right off the bat, you know, they're, you know, they're all at the captain's table. Yeah. yeah. Music of the spheres. Yeah. Not to mention the, the two rocks that come together that I can never yeah. remember the name of. Sisyphus yeah. and Scylla and Charybdis. I, I took Latin in school. It's Scylla and Charybdis. There you go. That <laughs> oh, yeah. Everybody knows that one. I always depend on Sam to be able to pronounce it in the meeting. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. In How It Works, we're told that God enables us to match what with serenity? One, disease. Two, calamity. 
Three, tragedy. Four, traffic. Do calamity. Page 68, just to the extent that we do as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him, does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? The answer is number two, calamity. And Bill, you now have 7,822 points. Wow. What? Taking it home. Come on, bring it up. He's giving you a bunch of bonus points. <laughs> Are you questioning my scorekeeping skills? I, doesn't matter to me. They're just points. <laughs> I mean, you know, matching calamity with serenity is my favorite part of the big book. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's an incredible line. And it's true when it happens. It's freaking amazing to have something in my life blow up. I remember the first time it happened. In fact, my engine blew up in my truck. <laughs> it locked up. I had to be towed 300 miles back home. I rode in the front seat with the tow truck driver and had a great conversation and was going, this is weird. I should be really angry, but I can't do anything about this. Mm -hmm. And this is what they're saying in AA. I need to, 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 to let go. What? Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> there you go. Okay, last question. Finish this sentence from two employers. The employer cannot play favorites, but he can always defend a man from needless provocation and unfair criticism. As a class, alcoholics are, one, like little puppies, two, unemployable, three, energetic people, four, dazed and confused. I'd have to go with three, I think. The answer is on page 146. As a class, alcoholics are energetic people. The answer is number three, energetic. Bill, you got it. You aced this exam. Swept the board. But you know, we really do need some questions from some listeners because Don is just like throwing softballs now. <laughs> so I won a softball contest is what you're <laughs> I'm not saying that you're not brilliant, Bill, but... <laughs> No, they're not necessarily softballs. They're easy if you know the answers, because I have asked a couple of these before, and they haven't always come back with correct answers. So mm -hmm. Bill's really smart. Bill, you're very smart. <laughs> I was writing that book on the big book that I had to We had a meeting just exactly like you described. We, we read a page or a page and a half, the first 164 pages every Saturday for years and years and years. We went through the book six or seven times, I think. Not only do you learn, there's always things in that book you haven't seen before. When did they put mm. that in the book, you know? It changes, yeah. It does. But a meeting like that, a beauty of that is I'm not sitting home doing it by myself. I, I think I know what that sentence means. And somebody at the other end of the table says, you know, when I read that, it really struck me at that. Blah. And I'm like, whoa. Yes. I didn't see that. I didn't see that nuance. I didn't see that. I'm looking at it this way, but you know, you can also look at it from this way and it's something completely different when you do that. Bill, thanks so much for joining us today. This has just been fantastic. Indeed it has. The Grapevine is looking for your story submissions. Midlife sobriety. Stories are due April 15th, 2023. Share about some of the challenges you've had after eight, 10, 20 years sober. Have you ever nearly relapsed? Did you ever stop going to meetings or disconnect from AA? Have you ever been a dry drunk? How did you get back on track? 
What helped you may help someone else. Share your story by April 15, 2023 via aagrapevine.org share. self-important intoxicated woman at an airport is delayed in boarding her flight. She asks the agent at the ticket counter for help. Mm. Now, what is your flight number and destination? I told you, flight 3214 to Chicago. Well, one moment. Hmm. Hmm. This is ridiculous. Do you know who I am? One moment. Anyone here who can help this lady, please come to the ticket counter. She doesn't know who she is. (laughs) (laughs) It's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc., We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org.